So yesterday I am running some errands and I'm getting some things ready for tonight. I hope that um, you guys are planning on coming tonight to the annual meeting. If you didn't sign up already, you're still welcome to attend. Just stay at the back of the line because we only ordered food enough for those that signed up. But we still want you here. It's going to be great. Um, and I, we were running some, I was running some errands, getting ready for that. Julie's busy time of year, so she's at home. And so I'm waiting to turn in, in the turning lane. <laughs> the guy in front of me is just livid about something. I don't know what he is mad about, but he is talking to the cars. And there's nobody else in the car with him. So I know he's mad at traffic or something. And I am just thinking to myself, man, you just need to ease up. What is, what is going on? And for some, you know, he's shaking fists and doing things and he turns and he goes and so then now it's my turn and, and I'm waiting to turn and I'm still kind of laughing about this guy and I'm waiting for the guy coming to pass and then he gets in the lane and he turns and I'm like dude blinker <laughs> yeah so uh, now we're ready to look at Jonah <laughs> and you're going to find out why because the moment that you think that, oh, I could never do that, or I can't believe people would act that way, or I'm better than that person. Just give it about 30 seconds. Uh, and then you'll be yelling at the guy that didn't use his blinker and made you wait a whole whopping five extra seconds to turn in there. Um, Jonah is a very interesting book in Scripture. It's one of the most debated books, I think, in all of Scripture, because a lot of people um, who are familiar with it have some different opinions. Some people you know, question whether it's a true story. Some people think it's a parable. Some people think it's an allegory. I'll just go ahead and tell you off the bat, I believe it's an absolutely true story. Um, I believe this is a, a story of the prophet Jonah that we're going to learn about. And there's some reasons that I believe that this is a true story because I think that it's a very dangerous thing to begin looking at Scripture and just because we think, oh my goodness, he got swallowed by a fish and then he was vomiting. I don't know how that could happen. When we start to use that as a default for how we're going to interpret and believe things, it's a dangerous road to go down because we then start saying, well, if I don't understand it or I can't explain it, then I'm going to choose not to believe it. That is a way that we immediately start to put God in a box. And we actually begin to limit God because we say, well, if I can't understand how it works, then nothing beyond what I can understand could absolutely be true. Now, come on. That just immediately reduces God to the, have just the ability of a human. And that's not true at all. So it's a dangerous road to go down to believe that way, in my opinion. I believe this is an absolutely true story. We have some other uh, references to Jonah in Scripture where he had already given some prophecies about the future of Jerusalem. So we know this is a real man. We know this is a prophet. And then we get this insight into his life. And as Brittany said in the children's message earlier, many people who may be familiar with Jonah, perhaps you've never heard of it, and that's fine. We're going to teach right through it. But many people who are familiar with the story, they only focus on the fish, you know. He was swallowed by a well. They don't necessarily dig into what's going on here. And so I'm excited to do that uh, over this next series. Beginning in verse 1 of Jonah, let's just set some context for this picture here. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh. And preach against it because their evil has come up before me. Now, if you're not familiar, Nineveh is the capital at that time of Assyria. Assyria is the great nation who's oppressing everybody and the Israelites especially. And so what basically God was saying is get up and go to the capital city of your enemy and preach to them. And so Jonah says in verse 3, got up to flee to Tarshish 
from the Lord's presence. Now, if you're not familiar with the geography of that area, you know, I, I did this in my, in my Sunday school class earlier today. It, it, sometimes in the back of your Bible, it has a map, okay? So here on the map, which I know none of you can see right now, I'm very well aware of this, okay? So Jonah's kind of right here at the time that this word comes to him, hanging out around Jerusalem and Damascus. Nineveh is over here, kind of, you know, to the north and, and to, the, to the east from, from where he is. Tarshish is over there about where that TV is, if you're looking at this map. So if you're wondering where he's going, it's not even on the map. So God said, get up and go to Nineveh, and Jonah said, I'm going to take a ticket to Tarshish. Now look at this, because this is very key. Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. We're going to come back to that. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the ferry, went down into it. But the Lord Tarshish, again, from the Lord's presence. But the Lord threw a great wind onto the sea. Such a great storm arose on the sea that the ship threatened to break apart. The sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his God. They threw the ship's cargo into the sea to lighten the load. Look at this. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down to the lowest part of the vessel and had stretched out and fallen into a deep sleep. Now, I don't know how many of you pay attention to the fact that I actually put a title on uh, the sermons every once in a while. It's mostly to help me remember what I was preaching about and when I go back and I look at the different things. But it's at the top of your page there. And I think it's pretty meaningful today. Comfortable indifference. Jonah was very satisfied with his apathy toward others. He was able to sleep just fine while everybody else is going through some very difficult times. And while he's running far away from God, something in him had clicked where he was able to just go, I'm okay with this. And yet everybody else was in chaos. It says in verse 6, the captain approached him and said, what are you doing sound asleep? Get up, call to your God. Maybe this God will consider us and we won't perish. Now we're going to stop there for today because I want to I set some context, if you will, for, for just the whole direction we're going in this series. Because like I said, most people who are familiar with the story of Jonah, they focus on the fish and they, they see the miracle. They know, um, you know, like Brittany even told us earlier, spoiler alert, that he gets spit up on the shore. He goes to Nineveh. Nineveh repents. And, and then he's still not real happy about all this. So I just want to focus a little bit on, on, on why and what's going on with this. You see, here's what we need to understand, first of all, that Jonah is a message for me. Okay? That's your first blank. I'm going to actually have us say that together. You ready? Jonah is a message for me. It's just like I sat there, and I, I laughed at myself so hard because I sat there looking at that guy in front of me so mad at traffic going, why would anybody do that? And it was not 30 seconds later that I'm yelling at somebody in traffic, just going, really? And so there is a part of this that I want you to understand that I'm just going to go ahead and say it this way. Jonah's kind of a negative story. And so it's hard not to get into the story of Jonah and not just be negative about it. But we're going to find some, some elements of hope, and we're going to find some things in here that we're going to learn from. But there is, a, there is a serious part of this that we need to understand that Jonah is a message for me. It's something that we need to understand that as we look at Jonah, and sometimes we look at him and go, I can't believe he would act that way, that we need to understand, oh my goodness, I could do that same thing. 
And along the way, I even want to challenge us that there may be some things that we recognize in our life that we go, wow, I'm acting like Jonah. I, I know exactly what God wants me to do, but I'm just going, no, I'm just going to get a ticket to Tarshish on this one. I'm just going to head the opposite direction as far as I can go. And sometimes we don't even realize that we're doing that. And so I, I don't want it to just be all negative. I promise you I'm going to give you hope and direction in this. But I do think that there's some times that we need to learn that we can identify with where he's going. And there are times that when we identify with him, we need to understand that, wow, just like God was willing to discipline Jonah in a pretty miraculous way, that at the times that we choose to say, God, I'm going to ignore what I know you've told me to do, and I'm just going to go a different, different direction, that there are times that we open ourselves up for the discipline of God in our lives as well. And it's never fun. I mean, if you can imagine being swallowed by a fish and spit up three days later, I don't think that was a whole lot of fun for him. And so in a similar way, we endure some discipline at times just because we choose to go, God, I know what you want me to do, but I'm just going to head a different way. Let me tell you something, though, about the Lord's discipline. It's a pretty amazing thing. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 and 12 tells it this way. Do not despise the Lord's instruction, my son, and do not loathe his discipline. For the Lord disciplines the ones he loves. The Lord disciplines the ones he loves, just as a father disciplines the son in whom he delights. So, while we're going to look at Jonah, and while there may be some parallels where we can understand, oh my goodness, I can act just like Jonah in some things sometimes, and though when we follow that path, we may realize that, wow, I've done this to myself in life. We need to understand that a lot of times that discipline that happens, the things that are happening in our life that God is using to get our attention to draw us back to him, he's doing those things out of a great love that he has for us. So just as Hal told us earlier, in the midst of all this stuff, you can still find the love of God happening in there. So I want you to keep that in context but we are going to go there, if you know what I mean, for just a little bit this morning to talk about, okay, how do I kind of line up with Jonah sometimes? What do you mean, Pastor, when you're saying that sometimes I just choose to ignore God's word and sometimes I, I head a different direction because I've never been like Jonah. You know, God's never asked me to, to just go to a people group and I've just said, no, I'm just not going to do that. Well, okay, let's talk about that for a minute. You see, God in his word gives us all kinds of instruction. And if we're going to be a true follower of Jesus Christ, then what we're saying is I'm going to choose to follow God's word. And when God's word shows me something that contradicts what I believe or how I'm living my life, then if I choose to ignore God's word and continue to live the way that I've always lived, then I'm just acting like Jonah. I'm just saying, no, thank you. <coughs> I'm going to go this way. And in that sense, you may as well have booked your ticket on a boat for stormy seas of life. Because every time that you choose to say, okay, no thank you, God, just book a ticket. That's all I got to say, just count it. Just go ahead and buy the ticket. And you may sleep for a little while on the bottom of that ship, but eventually it's going to come for you. Let me give you some examples of this. God's Word. We'll start off with the one. You may have seen some of these on the video before the, before the sermon this morning. But, you know, God's Word starts off. I, I say God's Word starts off. Jesus tells us the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And many of us as followers of Christ would say, I got no problem with that. You know, I want to love God with everything I have. I want to love my neighbor. Okay, well, I'm okay. But, you know, his word goes even further, and it says, 
love your enemies. You know, some of us may even be at the point where we go, okay, I'm okay with that, except for this one. You know what I mean? And whenever we go, well, except for this one, just book your ticket. Just go ahead and buy your ticket. Because anything we want to compromise on that's different than God's word, just buy a ticket. It's going to get stormy. You know? And then, you know, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about relationships. You know, God talks to us a lot about relationships. Ephesians gives us some great words about marriage. Okay, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. I'm great with that 97% of the time, right? Except for those times when, well, I don't know about, never with you, babe. I'm always 100% of the time. I just want you to know that. So, but, you know, there's some times where we go, I don't know how I can do that, and we want to compromise. Well, buy a ticket, get on the boat, and get ready. Wives, submit to your husbands. Oh, he said that word. It's 2019. Did he? It's in God's word. He gives us instructions on how we're supposed to live. Well, I just don't know that I have to do that in today's world. We're written, buy a ticket. Get ready. Buy a ticket. Children, obey your parents. I just want to step on everybody's toes today. And I know you just go, the, the kid, well, they just don't know. And I, mm, buy a ticket. Get ready. I'll just go ahead and go there. Bring your tithe to the storehouse. Hmm, God. I think I'm going to go to Tarshish on that one. Thank you. Forgive others as God has forgiven you. Oh, God, I, mm, you just don't. Mm. You realize that God called Jonah to go to the capital city of their hated enemy to preach. So when God tells us to forgive others as God has forgiven you, we're getting kind of the same call as Jonah, right? Consider it joy when you face trials. No, I want to pout. I want to put it out on Facebook so people can commiserate with me and validate my feelings. I don't want to consider it joy. No, and buy a ticket. There you go. You know, Jesus makes it simple. Follow me. Well, I'm good following you when I want to follow you, but then I don't. Mm, buy a ticket. And then the one that's probably most in context with what Jonah is going through is this, and there's something I believe that this is the, the center for all of us as believers. Jesus tells all of his disciples that we're to go, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey my commands. That's for everyone who claims to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Every one of us have the same call that Jonah had. But do we do that? Do we do that? And Here's what, like I said, I know I have my stepping on toes part of the sermon, and we're going to breathe here in just a little bit. But we need to understand, disobedience has consequences. That when we choose to know what God has called us to do, and we say, no, thank you, I'm going to go to Tarshish on this one, then we, we should expect that there's going to be storms of life that come up from that. And you're going to have to endure that. But as I said before, a lot of times we're like, Jonah, I'm just going to take a nap. I'm good. I don't even care about this anymore because, God, I don't even want to do the things that you've called me to do. And we miss out on the greatest life that we can have by following Jesus Christ. You see, what we all need to strive for is we need to strive for an unselfish faith. This is what we need. I need an unselfish faith. Somehow, 
we have convinced ourselves at times, and especially in our church culture, that our faith is kind of me-centric faith. Is that, well, it's about me and my personal walk with God and my personal quiet time and, my per- and, me, and me and me and me and me and me and me. And it's like it's a me-centric faith. And God is, go love your enemies. Go do this. Go get up and go and go and go and go. And we're going me and me and me and go and go. And it's this battle that happens. And we're missing out on the greatest life that we can have because we're, we've, we've centered our faith around ourselves, our comfort, our belief, and what we want. And so when God says to Jonah, get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because their evil has come up before me, he just, no. It's just flat out, no. I, I love, we pointed this out in, in our Sunday school class today. Verse 3 doesn't even say he dialogued with God. He got, it was like, God said, the evil has come up against me. Verse 3, Jonah got up and to flee to Tarshish. He just didn't even think about it, didn't even consider it, didn't even talk to God about it. It was just, no, I'm not going to do that. You see, we all, each and every one of us, like I said, have been given the command to go into this dark world. And I, I said it earlier, I'm going to say it again, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. We all, each and every one of us, have been given this command to go and be a light in the dark world. And I'm convinced that whenever a follower of Jesus Christ, and if you don't hear anything else I say today, just listen to this and take this one home with you. I'm convinced that whenever a follower of Jesus Christ discovers that that is their primary purpose on this earth, it changes everything. That's it. When we learn to meld the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, with the great commission, go and make disciples. When we put those things together, life gets amazing. When we just focus on the love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm going to tell you a problem that's happened in church culture. And I'm going to call out all of us who have grown up in church culture. And you may have heard me even say this before if you've heard me preach a couple of times. We've created this environment that somehow we can convince ourselves that we're growing closer to God by just studying the Bible and hanging out with church people and not doing bad things anymore. And we're totally missing the point of what God has called us to do. Get up and go. That's what we're created for, and that's where life happens. The other way, we're just kind of sitting here learning a lot of things that we're never going to use. I asked this question in Bible study today. How many of you have a collection of, you know, instruction books for items that you don't own that you just read for light reading every once in a while? Nobody. That I know of, that's normal, okay? Some of, I know some engineers in the audience that are going, well, Lyndall, I, okay, that's okay. I said normal. I'm just kidding. I love my engineer friends. All right, but, but we don't, in general, seek knowledge about things that we're not going to use. Except for one area of our life. Our faith. We've somehow convinced ourselves that I just want to get all this knowledge and all this knowledge, but It only comes to life when we use it. 
that's the whole point of this thing. Now, immediately what comes into mind is a ton of excuses. We can look at Jonah and go, man, he called him to go to his enemies. I can kind of, you know, understand why Jonah wouldn't want to go. And then maybe we start thinking things like, well, I don't know how I would do that. Okay, I, I want to talk to everybody in here who's given their life to Christ just, in, just recently for just a minute. Just go tell someone. Because you got it. Because I'm going to tell you, those of us who've been in church a long time, we've been to church sometimes, and we make it a lot harder than it is. Just go tell someone. And if you go, well, Pastor, what do I say? Whatever you want. Just go tell someone. And I promise you, when you start doing that, then the people that you start talking to, here's what they're going to do. They're going to ask you questions. And they're going to ask you questions about things that you don't know. Okay? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to train everyone in here. You ready? When somebody asks you a question that you don't know the answer to, here's what you say. I don't know. Everybody got that? You've just been evangelism trained. Okay, everybody ready? I don't know. There, you got evangelism training. All right? So, but I promise you that if you're trying to go and share that with somebody else and they're asking you questions that you don't know, you know what you're going to do? You're going to find out. And you know why you're going to find out? Because you're going to be motivated to find out. But so many times in the church culture, we just said, okay, now that you've given your Christ, now that you've given your life to Christ, you need to lock yourself in a room until you've memorized 14 scriptures and when you do this, and then maybe you can go out, no, go, 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 and tell. And then as you read this word, it will come to life. And you'll be going, ah, you remember when so-and-so asked me that, here's the answer. Here's this. I can go tell them now. Ooh, I can do something else. And as that grows and grows and grows, it's just going to be, whew. This is amazing. So let me just put it this way. If, if, you, if you need a formula, who you tell is always greater than what you know. It's always greater than. Who you tell is always greater than what you know. So just go tell. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go. Get up and go. Jonah said, nah. And he paid for it. And I believe that many of us have said, nope, and we're paying for it. And I believe that true life comes if we will start to get up and go. And let me just tell you this. Let me just be really honest with you. You don't need anything else to do that other than you and your relationship with Christ. That's it. All you need to do is go and give the message of hope that says, you know what? I was once this way. God did this in my life, and now I'm following him. And discipleship. You know, we write all these books about it in church. You may not even be familiar with that word. And everybody wants to put it in a process and have 17 steps to it. Discipleship in its simplest form is this. Life together with someone following Jesus. Period. So I will tell you, I would much rather have a church full of people who are inviting people into their homes to live life together than inviting them to even these worship services. Yeah, I just said it. I guarantee because then we would be going and telling. Now, I'm not saying don't come to church, okay. Because it gives purpose to then when we come together. Because you know, church gets real meaningful when you're sitting with a group of people and you say, hey, I was trying to talk to this person about my faith and they asked me this question and I don't know how to answer that question. Now you can't wait to come to church as opposed to going, oh, do I got to go to church today? Now you're coming together going, hey, you need to help me do this. And we're hearing stories of success and failure and we're coming together as a body. It's an awesome thing when it begins to happen that way. So I have become convinced the longer that I walk with Christ that everything comes together in our faith when we learn to get up and go. Now, 
I know you're going, well, I don't even know how to do that or, or, or what to do with that. Yesterday, as I was out running the errands, one of the things I was doing was buying a ridiculous amount of TVs because we're getting ready to open this over here and we're replacing some of the things. And so I literally have eight TVs on a cart and I'm pushing them through Sam's. And a guy comes up to me and goes, dude, you opening a bar? <laughs> and I went, thank you, Jesus, for this wonderful opportunity. <laughs> I went, actually, we're installing them in a church. You should come. Oh, really? Where's your church? <laughs> and I just got to go from there and just say, hey, we're in Weatherford and we're doing this. And. You know, we love to have, oh, maybe. Now, he didn't get on his knees and accept the Lord and Sam's, and, you know, he may never show up, and I probably embarrassed the mess out of him in doing that. But here's the deal. Can we just have a moment here as believers? If the world can so blatantly throw their beliefs in our face, why can't we? We don't have to be rude about it because it all starts with the greatest commandment, which is love. It's not a contest. It's not a, hey, I, you know, I got to know. It, it has to be motivated from love. And I'm telling you, when that guy said that, I just kind of chuckled inside because I'm going, hey, do, you represent the world today. And God bless you. If you're going to, you know, think these are for a bar, I just want to kind of maybe throw a little seed in there that not everything happens at a bar. <laughs> you know, there's other things that happen in the world. And, and we do that. And so I'm just going to tell you this. I, I didn't get up in the morning and go, Lord, would you please send me a sign? You just have to be available. And you have to be in the mindset that I'm going to get up and go. And it makes everything come into context. You see, but what we need to understand is there is a, there's this negative side of this. Brittany talked about it a little bit, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But she said a, a truth that happens in Jonah that we need to understand. When I run from God, I invite pain in my life as well as others. That when I run from God... I invite pain into my own life as well as others. And you see, I, I, I went that list earlier, and I know it stepped on some toes, but it stepped on toes because I'm trying to, to help you understand that when we follow God, that's where true life is. And when we don't follow God, that's where we invite pain into our life. And when we invite pain into our life, we might sleep just fine, but sometimes we don't consider the effect that it's having on other people in our life. Any parent who's had a child understands exactly what I'm talking about. When you know your kids are doing things that you just know aren't the best for them and they think it's just affecting them and you don't sleep for weeks and your hair turns gray and, you know, and all, yeah, it's only affecting them, isn't it, you know? We get this type of stuff, but the same thing's true with us. When we choose to ignore the things of God and do our own thing, it affects other people around us. The sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own gods. They threw the ship's cargo into the sea to lighten the load. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down to the lowest part of the vessel and had stretched out and fallen into a deep sleep. What kind of a storm must it have been for sailors and the captain to be that worried? I mean, imagine that. People who do this for a living all the time are all of a sudden like, whoop. And Jonah's just like, don't care. And that's just really it. So Jonah's decision, not only, like, like Brittany pointed out earlier, affected possibly Nineveh, not hearing the word of God, but then he gets on a boat and he endangers the life of everybody on that boat just because of his indifference. And I said we'd come back to it earlier. What was Jonah running from? He was trying to run from the presence of God. He was trying to run from God's presence. Now, 
I know some of you, this may be your first week here, but we just finished up a sermon series last week that the, the climax of that sermon series last week was to say that Habakkuk, which we studied, was told that there were going to be some horrible things that were going to happen to his people. And Habakkuk had some very serious questions about that. But at the end, Habakkuk was okay with it all because God showed up. And what I, what I taught last week was just this truth, and I don't have time to go into it again today, but that the greatest blessing you will ever receive in your life is the presence of God. It's the presence of God. It's not, it's not what God does for us. It's God. It's just God being present. And what Jonah was doing was just saying, I don't even want that anymore. I'm just, I'm just leaving that behind. He was so mad about that. The thing that happens for us is that sometimes we don't even realize that God's presence has left sometimes because we're just so focused on our own thing that we just miss out on that. And I don't want you to miss out on that. And here's why. It's because true life is found in following Jesus. True life is found in following Jesus. You see, that's the message for us today. We can talk all we want about how we all have our waiting in the line moments. If I don't know I'd ever do that, that that guy did, and and then I'm mad at the blinker 30 seconds later. We all do that. But do we have something in our spirit that says, no, I need to get myself in line with God because I know that true life comes in following Jesus. It's not just about correcting our wrongs. It's about living life. John 14, 6 tells us that Jesus told his disciples, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so true life happens in following Jesus. And I am convinced from the bottom of my heart that you cannot be a true follower of Jesus Christ if you're not trying to be a light to somebody else in this world. If you're not trying to go, get up and go. If you're not trying to go and share that with somebody else, you are never going to experience life the way that Jesus has intended for it to be done. You're going to miss out on that, and I don't want anybody to miss out on that. And I know for a lot of us, we're thinking, I don't know how to do that. I don't know that I know enough. Just go. Don't go to a Bible study to learn how. Just go. Don't go look for training. I trained you already. I don't know was your training, okay? So you are now prepared to go to the mission field. And just go and be a light. Our church has a, um, a vision statement that we say we desire that everyone that this would be a place where everyone that comes to it could discover that they are fully known and fully loved by God. And what we mean by that is fully known. Yeah, we all have a past, and God knows it. And in the midst of that, we're still fully loved. That God, while, he w- while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5.8, that we want people to understand that. And then the way that we think that's going to happen, and we share this all the time, is we want the people of this church to go out and be a light, and we have a fun little acrostic for light. The first thing is the L. We say live out what the Bible says. And the second one is this, invite others on a journey of faith. That's the I. Invite others on the journey of faith. I'm not going to go through the rest of them. Leave you in suspense if you don't already know it. Invite others on the journey of faith. If you're going to be a light, part of being a light is inviting others on the journey of faith. Well, pastor, are you just saying invite them to church? No, invite them into your life. If church is part of your life, then you're inviting them to church. Just invite them on the journey of faith so that you can be a light to them in this dark world. Go and do that. And I promise you, I promise you, all this Christianity stuff will come in context as you're trying to be a light to somebody else. That's where it all comes together. That's where true life is found. And so as you discover things in God's word 
that you come across and God's word is saying, you know, this is something different than maybe the way I've been living my life or, or what I've been doing. You have a choice all the time. And it's like I said earlier, if you're choosing to ignore what God said and go your own way, you might as well buy a ticket and get ready for stormy seas. But when you choose to follow God, you will find true life. And so the question that we can wrap this whole sermon up with is simply this today. Am I following or am I fleeing? Because you're only doing one of the two. Am I following that you're following? 